Hey everyone, I am super excited to announce a new online program, the Champion Sports Physical Therapy Mentorship. I've teamed up with Dan Pope and Dave Tilly to create this brand new 12-week mentorship program, and we're now opening it up to the very first cohort on June 10th. We hear all the time from people that they wish they had more mentoring and people they can learn from to help accelerate their careers. We're going to take you through all our foundations of sports physical therapy, including our clinical evaluation, working with non-operative and post-operative patients, building return to sport programs, and even learning advanced phase rehab and strength and conditioning principles for rehab professionals. In addition, we're going to have a bunch of case studies, a community, and live sessions to interact and ask us questions. We really can't wait. Check out the show notes to learn more and sign up today. The first cohort starts June 10th. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we're going to talk about Steph Curry's hip hinge and two areas you do not want to do self-myofascial release on. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Uh, I'm here with uh, with the boys from Champion PT and Performance, uh, Lenny Macrina, Kiefer Lammy. I always, I, I thanks, Mike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey guys, uh, Dave Tilly, right? And Nick, PT student from BU, is here to join us. Sir Nick's a lot. Um, all the students have to have a nickname yeah. now. It's official now. So. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're here for uh, some new questions. So, All right, Nick, what do we got? Maria from Pittsburgh asked. I'm Who, a sec- who's that? Maria. Maria. Maria from I'm Pittsburgh. Maria. <laughs> I'm a second-year PT student. Despite extensive theoretical training, ample clinical opportunities, myself and fellow students still find ourselves struggling through initial evaluations. We know the we know the material when we're in school, but when we are before a patient in the clinic, the knowledge seems to just go out the window. Any suggestions or tips? Uh, that's a good one. We, yeah. We're going to get your uh, input on this yeah. too, Nick. But uh, Nick, what, what, what do you think? I mean, I feel like just, first of all, I mean, it's just the more time practice. So spending more time with patients over and over, it just gets easier and easier. I mean, just my first eval, I was stumbling on the goniometer. Now I feel so comfortable carrying the caseload. So you just got to be confident and, uh, and you know, not get um, discouraged. Um, also, you know, Early on, setting you having a template, you know, for certain evals, you know, back versus shoulder versus knee, you know, certain things that you know you need to look for um, and need to test will just, you know, have some flow to your uh, your, your eval. Yeah, I, I think that's great. I think the biggest thing students tend to do is they start with like there's these hundred things they want to do, and they they just start going down this checklist of a hundred things. And as you get more experience, and you you know the, the subjective kind of dictates your objective, and, and those sorts of things. I think you gain a little bit more experience. But I think you're just you're you're so overwhelmed with doing everything instead of just finding the low hanging fruit would be I'd say. But but again, it's practice and it's experience. So that is a very daunting thing. I get it. But when yeah, I mean I. I'm not gonna lie. Even when I do evals now, and I've been doing it for a little while, I don't get everything. Years. You know, you can look back and like, crap, I never got manual muscle test or whatever, or some kind of random. I mean, you just gotta take it in stride, and like Nick said, repetition. But I think just getting the big picture, watch a move, and you hit your big things: passive motion, active motion, uh, palpation, strength strength testing, and then things will fall into place after that. But you know deep breath and get a good subjective I think that's more critical than all the other stuff is getting a good subjective and then everything will fall into place so just 
Yeah, it'll be good. Don't worry about yeah. getting getting everything. Just yeah. you know, Remember hit the base. You in front of you. That's my advice. Think about yeah. like the person and what they're saying, and not like crap. I need all these things I got to do. Like listen to what they say, and like you suggested, it will flow you kind of where you need to go. Don't let them see right. you sweat. They need to see that you're confident and that you got a good flow and that you care about them and their outcomes, and it, they'll buy into you. And even if you have to get some stuff to second visit, exactly right. perfect. That's fine. Yeah, That's just fine. digest afterwards and say, okay, what what do I want to look at next time? That's yeah. perfectly acceptable to, to do more on the next visit. So agreed. Yeah. So all right, Nick. All right, Harriet from Australia asked, "Is there a good technique for self-release of the iliopsoas or subscapularis?" I got this one. No. <laughs> Next question. Uh, all right, so self techniques. Uh, Kiefer, you got anything? Self techniques for psoas or subscap? No. Yeah, I, I, those are areas we, we don't do. Uh, tons of nerves, vessels in both, in both areas. Yeah, no, don't, don't do that. We're, we're, too, we're too caught. <laughs> yeah, lay on a kettle. Yeah, and if, if you see things on the internet saying to do that or smash that or whatever, but please don't do those areas. Just too many sensitive structures around there. Uh, self-release is not what you're looking for. So. All right. Nick, <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. Joe from North Carolina asked, I recently read on an ESPN article about Steph, Steph Curry, ankle problems and how his injury issues were addressed. The article mentions that when beginning rehab after 2013 surgery, Curry had to be taught how to properly hip hinge, and he did not know how to execute it correctly. It even mentions that he initially could only deadlift 200 pounds. How common is it to see professional athletes who do not know how to ex- execute a proper functional movement like a hip hinge? Way more yeah. common than you yeah. think. Yeah. There, in all of our, our worlds, it's, you'd be surprised. It, to get to that upper level of, of elite athleticism, you have to have some genetic gifts usually. So, um, uh, so people get there maybe sometimes despite that. But right. Kiefer, what do you think? I mean, it's definitely common. Like, when I was at UConn playing basketball, I was surprised by how many of the guys just didn't move well. On the court, they're great, but when you put them into a functional pattern, they don't have it. And I think that's kind of where the injuries come from. Like, in Steph Curry's case, he was compensating for something. You know, he rehabbed, he learned how to hip inch, and he was moving better somehow, and it affected him on the court. Right, and I, I bet he, there's other things he can't do, too. The hip hinge right. probably got the publicity in the article, but... You know, I, I, I think it's pretty common. Uh, Len, your experience, anything else? Yeah, I think, I mean, if you don't do it, you don't, there's neuromuscular control. Your mind does not how to know how to talk, communicate with the muscles and, 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 and ligaments and everything else to allow you to get into that position. So I, I imagine he's a stud now probably. He's just a gifted athlete. It's just educating on how to move it and being able to break it down so the athlete can figure out, giving him good cues, how to get into that hip hinge uh, position. And, I'm a professional PT, and I still struggle. <laughs> Good point. Mm-hmm. Tilly, anything on uh, I would say just remember that, again, most of those elite athletes hyper-specialize, and from a young age they've been doing right. skill-specific training. But coaches are skill-specific, right. but they don't have a great movement base. Many of them didn't play three or four sports when they were younger, so they maybe lack fundamentals, and in reality it should be the other way. We should be fundamentally there and then develop these you know, skills later, but that squat, hinge, all that stuff is a basic that they might have missed. Awesome, yeah. So, yeah, I'd say pretty common in the pro yeah, athletes. They, they move a lot worse than you think. Um, but, you know, hopefully we can, we can help them and then make them a little bit more bulletproof down the road. So, 
Nick, is that it? That is it. That's it. Cool. Perfect. Awesome. That was a good one. I like it. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate you joining us again. You know, we love the feedback. Give us some reviews. We want to hear some good constructive criticism, too. So um, go to iTunes. Give us a, a nice rating and review if you don't mind. And keep asking the questions. MikeReynolds.com. Click on that podcast link. And uh, we'll keep going on future episodes. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeReynolds.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.